Joe, I remembered. Thank you. Okay, awesome. Rightio, how is everybody? Good. Great to see everybody's faces. Um, great to be here by the lake and uh, grateful that we have a, a place to be. Um, and uh, God's good, isn't he? Let me just pray and uh, then we're going to get into the word. I feel like God's got a word for us this morning to grab a hold of. So let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for every single person here. And we just commit ourselves. We want to hear from you. Uh, we don't want to just talk about things that are for others or talk about things that um, are just theory. We want to enter in and know you in a very personal way. So Father God, I pray for every single person here that they would encounter you in a profound way that changes the trajectory of their life. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Anyone who wants that? Amen. Awesome. Okay, so we're going to look at quite a few passages this morning. Um, I was just thinking, actually, I was giggling to myself before, Mark. Uh, Being online, Mark used to be out there um, during our service and watch it online. And he told me that um, he'd catch the most fish when we were worshipping. Did you see any fish jumping? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So um, I'm glad you're here, though. Hey? And uh, no, that's great. So hopefully this morning uh, you're going to catch some fish, but of a different kind, and uh, God's going to just really bless you in this. You're going to take some things away. Um, I'm learning some stuff at the moment that I just wanted to share with you and invite you on the journey. Uh, and it's the kind of journey that you can't do unless you really... Uh, are prepared to, well, in some cases, you're thrown into it. In other cases, uh, you hunger after it and you actually throw yourself in that way. Um, Last year, with all the different shifts and changes um, with our venue and then uh, how things work for us as a church, uh, to be honest, for me as a pastor, it just really threw me on my knees um, with the Lord. And really uh, found myself in a place of just, God, I've got nothing. I just absolutely need you. And it was the kind of place I was at when we first church planted. Um, When we first started, I was on my knees going, God, I have no clue what I'm doing. Just please just show up. (laughs) Just Would you just show me what to do this next week and the next week and the next week? And I feel like we're there. I I feel like the carols was a bit of a, a teaser of this kind of thing as well. And for those of you who were there helping set up with the carols, it was rain, and then it was off. The rain was on again. It was off again. Uh, we had the pressure of um, having a hired um, soundy who was saying, I don't think this is going to work. And eventually he packed up and went. And um, uh, there was at one point where I was looking over the lake, another wave of rain was coming because it was coming from the, I guess, the, uh, what's that direction? South. The south. Yeah, it was coming from the south and... <laughs> And uh, you, you could see the wall of the rain coming, and I was just praying, God, would you please just, uh, you know, and, and even speaking to the rain and saying to the rain, in the name of Jesus, I'm, I'm asking you to stop. And, um, and as I was praying, Gabby, um, uh, Tamara's daughter, uh, came and, and joined me, and she said, you're praying for the rain to stop, aren't you? I said, yes. <laughs> and uh, she said, I'm going to join you. I was so encouraged by that. Um, and so uh, both of us were praying in tongues, we were praying over the rain and um, just declaring in Jesus' name that it would cease. And uh, after it ceased for a little while, I thought, I'll go home, I'll get changed and um, just get ready for the night now. 
And, uh, and then as I was home, it rained again. And then I got the text from my brother, Luke, saying the soundies have pulled up stumps. They've gone home. I thought, oh, okay, Lord, I thought this was going to carry on. Like, I thought we were going to do this tonight. By the time I got here, the whole team uh, independently um, had met together and they said, we're going to make this happen. I was so proud of your team. It's so good. Um, and just the way you banded together. And then when uh, they had decided to do that, they went, they grabbed all of the sound equipment out of the church facility that we had at the time. They came back, they set it all up. Do you know they didn't even have a chance to do a, a sound check? They sang one song, um, just hoping that it would actually uh, be pretty close to what it should be. That was their practice song. And normally they'd get a set in where they could actually do the proper practice and that kind of thing. And um, it was so good, the music, that one of the... In fact, it was Mel's dad, who uh, is no uh, newbie to sound stuff. He was walking from the other car park. And um, he said as he heard the music and then saw that it was the band that was playing, he realised, oh, it's not a CD. I thought it was a CD that was playing or a you know, pre-prepared music. So um, the sound... Uh, just ended up working the way it should and then didn't rain from 4 o'clock right through till 9 o'clock and we had what close to 800 to 1,000 people there and we're just like God you're so good right that whole process of just God I've got nothing God I need you that humility of uh, I, I can't control the rain but God can that's played out in certain ways and there's a lesson for us in that um, if we're prepared to take it, to actually get on our knees, uh, to be prepared to seek the Lord in that way until He comes and moves in a profound way. This uh, city needs a profound move of God. The prayer meeting that was talked about on the 31st or the 30th rather of January, typically we get all of the intercessors and the intercessors are generally, I'm generalizing here, uh, they're kind of my age and older. Okay? And uh, very rarely do we see young adults come. Very rarely do we see family uh, aged, like, you know, young, young parents. I can understand for young parents in a way. Um, but listen, we need a move of God. This city needs a move of God. There is a humility that comes when we say, I'm parking time away from the other things. I'm even prepared to um, feel foolish or silly praying in front of others because I'm seeking something greater. And so I want to just encourage you, there is a place before the throne room that is reserved for those who are prepared to get on their knees. There is a positioning, we've titled this sermon, Position for Grace. There's a positioning that receives grace where only God can move. There are families that are broken. There are people who are so broken, so lost, they don't know where to turn. They're on. They're saying to themselves, even right now as we speak, if I have to go through that cycle one more time, I can't do it. There must be a better way out. And they're looking for a way out. There are people who uh, are wrestling with broken marriages, with kids who have run away from uh, anything that is wise and 
uh, even gotten themselves into a place where um, they're stuck and they can't get out. Uh, there's so much brokenness across our city. And it starts with a church that's prepared to say, we're, we, we need a move of God and prepared to get on their knees to be able to say, God, would you use us as a church? Would you use us collectively in the Hunter as the church, but also us as a church? We don't need to have a church facility for God to use us. And in fact, the best place for us to be before a church facility ever comes about is on our knees. It's where he needs you. There, there is a place before the throne room of God where God is listening to prayers and all of a sudden somebody who's and on their knees in tears before the Lord, perhaps even fasting before the Lord. And he says, I want to listen to this one. He just has a heart for those who are broken, those who get on their knees, those who are desperate for him enough to say, God, I'm going to chase you until I find you. You may even not be a Christian here this morning. And uh, one of the, the greatest things you can do is to ask the question, God, if you're real, would you show me uh, yourself? Would you reveal yourself to me? And I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to purposely pursue you until I find you. There is a place where on your knees you'll find God in the midst. And that's where we're at as a church. Um, I I just love uh, that there's a few things that happened last year that just really pushed me in this direction. Tim Hall um, and the way that he and Steve Blake pursued revival in Maitland was on their knees. Uh, Tim said, without trumpeting it, he said, he got away for eight days fasting and praying um, at a remote place where no one would hear him just to seek the Lord for Maitland. Well, he doesn't live in Maitland. It's not, you know, but he was hungry for God to move. And God certainly moved. Steve Blake was, he's been hungering over the last number of years for young adults to really catch a fire, for, for young or senior youth to catch the fire of the Holy Spirit and for a new wave of the Holy Spirit to move through the church. And he's been hungering for it. He's been fasting. He's been praying for it. And as I heard Tim's story, he said that when he first became a Christian, I've read uh, his, uh, his book on uh, the first 40 years of ministry. And he tells his story through um, how he first became a Christian and his initial um, uh, walk with the Lord. And there was this hunger that he had um, uh, in his walk with the Lord that when he first became a Christian, somebody gave him a book on fasting. And um, he said, I wouldn't recommend this particular book um, because it's a little bit legalistic in its approach. But um, he said it, it did do something for him in pushing him into a direction of uh, this is normal for the believer to fast. And so he started one day a week fasting and then that grew to two days a week fasting and then three days a week fasting and then four days a week fasting. And he's hungering for a move of God. He's praying uh, after dinner right through till midnight most nights and just hungering for the Lord. And all of a sudden he's seeing God move. He, he starts a, um, a, a meeting in his own house. And uh, the very first time people come together for that meeting, some of them were believers, some of them were away from church for some time, some of them were just curious about what God was doing. They felt they needed to be there. And as he said, come Holy Spirit, 
and they were all holding hands in a circle, everyone fell to the floor. And it was just the result of somebody's hunger. One man's hunger. Imagine one man, now a whole church. Now he begins pastoring a church later on, takes on a church where they said there was a real move of God happening in the youth. And when he gets there, the youth, he would meet on a Friday night with the youth and uh, they would pray on the Friday night. They didn't do like your normal youth ministry. They would pray most Friday nights and it would go through till about midnight and sometimes it would go right through to the morning. Can you imagine that? And here these youth are just hungering for a move of God and people are encountering God in just an incredible way. He said he get there onto a Sunday morning and there was already a whole host of people praying. And right through the service, uh, they had like an upstairs and downstairs in this one church he was at. Downstairs would be um, the, the prayer team. It'd be about 20 uh, people praying on the Sunday morning. And as they were praying, sometimes it gets so rowdy downstairs, you'd have to thump on the floor to tell them to be a little bit more quiet because uh, they couldn't hear him upstairs preaching, right? And God would just move again and again and again. He understood what it meant to come into the throne room on his knees. Uh, when we found out that we weren't going to be in Belmont Sporties um, this year, uh, it really, um, that plus a word that was given to me from Tim Hall when we were at the, the Big Top 10, um, he says, Steve, uh, you are going to go into deep places that you haven't been before. And uh, I'll tell you what, there has been some um, pushing in the spirit as a result of everything that's happening, not just for a building, but also for a people. Because I'm hungering for something to happen amongst us as a church where discipleship really goes deep, where you encounter the Lord so much that you can't wait to draw somebody else into your encounter. Who wants that? Church, there are people who are encountering, encountering the Lord here in this church already. And they go to pray for someone and all of a sudden that person gets the same encounter. And they grab a hold of it, right? And, and so there's, there's something about you knowing uh, the, the move of God in you, Him encountering you. In fact, uh, do you know, it's impossible for you to love others the way that Christ loved others without encountering Him. You can read the Bible intellectually. You can say that Jesus was uh, on the right direction morally and that he taught some things around, around love for one another that was profound. You can go to other religions that will also tell you it's a fairly common love, you know, your neighbour as yourself is a fairly common thing across most religions. So that's not new. But the actual outworking of this will only be out of your own strength unless Jesus lives in you. And you encounter him in a very special way. That encounter comes on your knees. And if you're finding yourself short with people, if you're finding yourself uh, struggling to forgive someone, if you're finding yourself in a space where you've distanced yourself from certain people because you just don't know how to deal with those situations, chances are you haven't gone on your knees with the Lord and allowed him to show you the depth of his love, not just for you, but for those that you are around. That's where you begin to transform. And transform people, transform people. That's where he begins to really move in you. So this morning, what I want to do is really lay the groundwork for how to become full 
of the power, the grace, the love of the Heavenly Father, of Jesus in you. Amen. I just want to pray for you just right now because I just really feel like God's going to move in the Scriptures. He's going to show you how to do this and not just to intellectually know, but that you would actually grab it for yourself. So, Father God, I just pray that you would just come and highlight, reveal who you are as we read this Scripture. May it just be really clear to those who are here that each one of us would have an encounter with you that each one of us would know as we hear the scripture that you are calling us deeper into yourself in Jesus' mighty name. Okay, so if you have your Bibles, you can follow along with me. Um, Isaiah chapter 66. And uh, if you don't have a Bible, just ask the person next to you to share with you. Um, You can get it on your phone uh, or if you've brought your Bible with you, you can have a look at that as well. So Isaiah chapter 66, verse 2. And it's a very sharp, short verse. And we're going to pick up midway through it. So Isaiah 66, verse 2. This morning we're going to look at quite a few scriptures. And um, hopefully you can keep up with me with what we're doing. So Isaiah 66, verse 2. Okay, you ready? So the second part of this verse says, These are the ones I look on with favor. Those who are humble. Say humble. And contrite. Say contrite. In spirit. In spirit is a interesting phrase to add to this and who tremble at my word so these are the ones i look on with favor this is god speaking he's speaking through isaiah and uh, he's giving an insight actually to a nation that has walked away from him Uh, this nation of israel at this point are close to being exiled and um, he says to them that even at this time those who are humble and contrite those who tremble at my word They are the ones that I will look upon with favor. Now, this phrase, I look on with favor, look on with favor is all actually one word in the Hebrew. And it's uh, kind of this idea of turning one's head towards or turning one's face towards. So it's almost like saying uh, my face is turned towards those who are of this nature. So it is true that he looks on them with favor because when the Lord's face looks upon a person, uh, when you use that phrase, it actually means um, that he's going to bless uh, you. He's going to look on you with favor and so on. To give you an idea of what this looks like, if you could imagine uh, Esther's story. Esther was uh, a, a Jew who was called up um, from poverty, if you like, uh, as a uh, uh, one of many different girls that a king was looking for a bride at the time, King Xerxes. And this is when Israel was actually in uh, exile at the time. And King Xerxes happens to pick Esther as his queen. While Esther is queen, now in those days, a queen, although they were the queen of uh, and related by marriage to the king, Um, they still, if they came before the king, the king could still, and he did with his previous wife, execute the queen. Um, Because uh, his previous wife refused some of his uh, wishes. And so this was not a benevolent king, like somebody who would would come up and say, hey, how's it going, king? Yeah, high five him on the way through. Um, This is the kind of king that if you walked into his uh, uh, chamber, into his... uh, courtroom you would be uh, fearing for your life because with one word he could cast you into 
uh, a den of lions with one word he could um, hang you at the gallows uh, he was all powerful and he wanted to make sure that you knew so in fact if you were to go before the king unannounced then uh, very quickly you've just signed your death warrant because to go before the king unannounced the only thing that would save you from death would be for the king to reach out with his scepter to say I receive you so when Esther hears about her own people have been uh, marked for genocide that the Jews would actually cease to exist in a certain amount of time it was a number of months away but she'd heard that this would happen the Jews press her would you go before the king she says you don't understand that is asking for a death warrant and uh, so she goes with fear and trembling understand she goes before the king with fear and trembling knowing that the king may not hold out his scepter and when she goes before the king the king holds out his scepter in other words to say I'm pleased with you and then says Esther uh, whatever you wish to ask I'll give you up to half my kingdom you can have it it's yours so the faith this is the word uh, that's being translated here he will look on you with favor this is the idea the next part humble um, and contrite this is in spirit mind you this is trying to describe what it looks like to come before the king to come before the heavenly father humble and contrite now humble in its original uh, meaning can mean without property <laughs> and I, that just spoke to me just where we're at as a church but without property uh, it can mean poor it can mean wretched Contrite can mean crippled or broken. So you get this picture of somebody who is in spirit, poor in spirit, somebody who's broken in spirit, somebody who uh, has nothing to their name in spirit. Even this should speak to us. Most of us are wealthy in the terms of uh, a global sense. And wealth, uh, generally speaking, for the wealthy, they can find themselves in a place where they don't need, don't need to ask the Lord for things. They can just go and afford it for themselves. And so in that place, they can come before the Lord. You know, some people ask, well, why, why do we see so many miracles in um, places like the Philippines or places like Africa? Why not here? I think it has a lot to do with humble and contrite in spirit. This really goes against the Western model of, no, no, pastor, you don't understand. I have grace for all things. Right? I don't need to be humble and contrite. I already have grace. I already have everything of the kingdom that I need. But the problem is, uh, it's true and yet it's not. It's true that all of those things are available to you through Christ, but it comes to those who come before him humble and contrite in spirit. So you think of, of this, somebody who's humble. Uh, I love Zeke's story mentioned this morning because here he is going amongst the humble, those without property, those poor in spirit, those who uh, perhaps through different circumstances have been wrecked in some way, 
either from themselves or by somebody else. Those, in some cases, who can't work because they are crippled, have some kind of mental issue, and so on. Okay, So here are the humble and contrite in spirit. And what the Lord is saying, if you can picture somebody who's on the street, I can picture in my mind somebody in Melbourne who's on the street. He's saying, they're the ones I want to listen to. Do you understand that? When you come to him in prayer, he's saying, they're the ones I want to listen to. Okay, So here he says, I turn my face towards them those who are humble and contrite in spirit, and those who tremble at my word. Just uh, one verse I just want to insert here. Uh, you don't have to look this up if you don't want to, but Proverbs chapter 28, um, verse 14 says, Blessed is the one who always trembles before God. Notice what, now, Proverbs generally give you one side of the coin and the other side of the coin in a scripture. So he says, Blessed are those is the one, rather, who always trembles before God, but whoever hardens their heart falls into trouble. So what's the opposite of trembling? Hardening, hardening, hardening. Hardening your heart. What was the verse uh, Proverbs 28, verse 14. So those who harden their heart are those who come before the Lord. They're not willing to shift not willing to be moved. This is the kind of person. God, I've come up with my own wisdom on how things should work. I'll take some things from your scripture, but not all things. I like what you said about forgive your neighbor, but I'm not really clear. I don't, I don't particularly want to go around telling everybody that Jesus is my Lord and Savior. I like what you say about... Um, maybe it's not about forgiveness. Maybe I like what you say about love for one another, but I just cannot forgive that one person. Right? And so they've hardened their heart to a move of God by simply saying, God, I know better than you. It also happens this way. God, I believe you can heal, but you just need to prove yourself to me that you actually do it today. Hardened heart. Because what they do is they end up saying, God, it's on my terms, not yours. But those who come to the Lord and who tremble at his word, humble and contrite. Notice he says tremble at their word. The best picture I can, like the image that comes to mind for me with this is when the Israelites with Moses, they've, they've fled from Egypt and now they are uh, told that God is going to meet with them uh, on the mountain. They're going to wait on the base of the mountain and God speaks from the mountain. It is like... Um, nothing like you've seen before. It's The whole mountain is shaking. The uh, mountain is enveloped in thick black cloud. There's fire billowing from the mountain and a trumpet is blaring like no one is there blowing a trumpet from the base of the mountain. But from the top of the mountain, there's a trumpet blaring and it's blaring from heaven itself. And then God speaks from the mountain. Can you imagine that? And they are trembling. He says, don't one of you set foot on the mountain. Don't try and make your way up the mountain because you'll surely die. And his word, he was, he was looking for them to be obedient to his word. He gives them the Ten Commandments from the mountain. And he's looking, will they be obedient to the word? Will this, what just happened now, be enough for them to tremble at my word? So you get the picture? 
those who the favor of the Lord comes to are those who are humble and contrite in spirit and who tremble at his word. There's so many different believers who come in with faith in Jesus and, and yet they don't give themselves wholly to Jesus. They don't tremble at his word. And you might say, well, Steve, uh, Pastor Steve, this, this is surely just Old Testament, not New Testament. And uh, so we're going to have a look at some of the New Testament passages that mirror this, that build off this. Let's firstly, let's have a look at Romans chapter 11. And Paul, uh, in this particular passage, he speaks to the, uh, the Gentiles. He, he actually addresses both the Gentiles and the Jews in this book. But in this particular part of this book, um, he addresses the Gentile Christians. And let me just get to this. So Romans chapter 11, and we're going to look at verse 20. In fact, we'll go back to verse 19. So Paul says, You will say then, branches were broken off so that I could be grafted in. So he's, he's referencing the fact that the Jews, branches were broken off for those who were unbelievers. They, they were believing, they were unbelieving believers. Does that make sense? Okay, so they, they had said, yes, we're part of the covenant, and yet they uh, did not follow Jesus. They did not follow the Heavenly Father to recognize His Son. And so they were broken off. And He says, they were broken off so that you, you and I, Gentiles, could be grafted in, in faith. Then He goes on to say, granted, this is true, in other words. But they were broken off because of unbelief. And you stand by faith. Do not be arrogant, but, what's the word? Tremble. But tremble. So here we have this same picture. If we go through Hebrews, he talks about entering his rest. And in the same way, do not harden your hearts like the Israelites did. Use them as a, um, a, a reference point, if you like, for your own walk with Jesus. But instead, tremble. Walk after him. James also picks up on this and he says, um, those who are, uh, what does he say? Just trying to remember the scripture. Let me look it up because otherwise I'll butcher it. Let's have a look. James chapter 4. <laughs> so James chapter 4 verse um, 6. But he gives us more grace. Uh, that is why scripture says God opposes the proud but shows favour to the humble. He opposes the proud, shows favour to the humble. This is really interesting, church. Uh, in an era where um, grace is available to you, there are still believers who don't receive of grace because they've hardened their hearts. They refuse. They do not tremble at His word. They refuse to humble themselves before Him. So if, if you wanted to look at what Jesus said, let's have a look at um, Matthew chapter 5. Doing okay? Yeah. Haven't lost you yet? Good, good, good. Okay, because I really want you to get here. This is something that will change your life. Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. This is Jesus speaking. Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Say poor in spirit. Isn't that interesting? He uses the same language as Isaiah here. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is what? Yeah, kingdom of heaven. 
everything that's available in the kingdom of heaven, so everything that's in the kingdom of heaven is available for you. Poor in spirit. For those who are poor in spirit. Blessed are those you are blessed. Now we like to say, well, brother, sister, I'm blessed. Bless you, you know, and, and whatever. We've got all the language for it. But Jesus says, actually, it's blessed with a condition. You are blessed, those who are poor in spirit. And he goes on to actually outline uh, almost the same kind of picture as what Isaiah picks up on. Those who mourn, those who are meek, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, those who are merciful, those who are pure in heart, those who are peacemakers, those who are persecuted because of righteousness. And then he goes on to say, they, they are given the kingdom of heaven. They are comforted. They will inherit the earth. Um, they will be filled, uh, which I, I'm led to believe is filled with the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Um, they'll be shown mercy. They'll see God. Uh, they'll be called children of God. It's, isn't it interesting what Jesus begins to outline? And he's inviting you into this same position for grace on your knees. There's a great uh, scripture in Ecclesiastes that says it's better for a person to be in a funeral than to be at a party. Like what? Why is that, right? Better for someone to be at a funeral than at a party. And, and the reason is because when you're at a funeral, everything is sobered. When you're at a party, you can dress things up. The real condition of you can be dressed up. You can go from party to party, from you know uh, entertainment to entertainment, from busyness to business, from success to success, and mask the fact that you're empty. But when there is a funeral of sorts, there is a sobering. There's a, I'm down on my knees. I'm grieving. I, it doesn't even have to be a funeral of a loved one. It can be the loss of something that was very precious to you. And all of a sudden, there's a sobering of of understanding that, God, I, I deeply need you. Uh, I'm not in control of things. I can't change the circumstances. It's beyond things I can do. And you realize there's no better place than on my knees before the Lord. So he says, blessed. Who'd like to be blessed? How much would you like to be blessed? <laughs> right? So, And then you know, we find later on Luke. Let's have a look at Luke chapter 4. Matthew, Mark, Luke, <coughs> chapter 4. And Jesus, again, he picks from Isaiah's scripture in verse 18. And he says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. There it is again. Good news proclaimed to the poor. And everything he goes on to say is a, a description of similar kind of things we see in Isaiah. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. He will turn his face upon you. Those who are poor in spirit. Okay, so we're on our, our home stretch. Let's have a look at 1 Corinthians. In fact, no, I want to go to Philippians first. Let's go to Philippians chapter 2. This is more like a Bible study than it is a, a, a sermon today. Philippians chapter 2, verse 
Yeah, the whole of Philippians is good, isn't it? Um, <laughs> uh, okay, here it is, verse 12 and verse 13. Therefore, my dear friends, as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So notice he's, he's saying, when, you're, when I'm with you, so when Paul's in our, let, let's say, for example, the, somebody that you deeply revere in the Lord, let's say it was uh, Reinhard Bonk, he's gone home to be with the Lord now, or uh, somebody who, um, kind of like when they come in the room, you just know the presence of God is on that person. I just want to listen. I need to hear what they have to say. Uh, when Paul was in the room, that, that's what was happening. You see, signs and wonders would happen. Everything, you know, things would just break out when he, when he was there. And so when Paul was amongst them. They were like, we want to serve the Lord. Okay. Now he says, but when I'm away from you, serve him even more eagerly with fear and trembling. So who is the fear and trembling for? It's not for Paul. It's with God. Then he says, for, for is always a link phrase, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. If you want to see the move of God through you, if you want to see people healed, if you want to see people set free, if you want to see people led to faith, if you want to see people have a revelation of who Jesus is and to be a witness to them in a way that it's like Jesus meeting them, then come to him as one who is humble and contrite. Tremble at his word. Seek him on your knees. That's where you get the bold power to be able to see Christ in the midst of all that you do. Paul knew this. In fact, we find in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 2, I'm read verse 1 to 5. And kids, you're doing really well over there. I'm really proud of you with being patient with me. So 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1 to 5. And so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I came to you in weakness, say weakness, and with great fear and trembling. Is that interesting? My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. I'd like to suggest that he came to them not in weakness and great fear and trembling because of the people, but he came to them with great uh, weakness and fear and trembling because of what he wanted God to do in the midst. He didn't just want to come with an apologetic. He, didn't, he just didn't want to come with the right words from the Scripture. He wanted to come with the fullness of the Heavenly Father. I'm, I'm so hungering for this. Mission trips kind of highlight it when you go overseas. You fast, you pray, you seek the Lord um, for a move of God. Because you've only got a short window of time with people. And then to see God move is just like nothing else. When, when I was in the Philippines last year, uh, there was a period of time leading up to the Philippines where we were praying, we're seeking the Lord on our knees. And then when we got to the Philippines, uh, the Lord highlighted a person to me in the room, also gave me a vision on the way in of a lady who um, I could see her face, uh, who she was, and that she had pain between her shoulder blades. And, um, and so I said, 
As I got in the room, I knew that's the lady sitting right there. I said, ma'am, would you, could you tell me, um, do you have pain between your shoulder blades? She says, yes, I do. And I'm not sleeping well at night. So we prayed for her. She got healed. Then I had a word for another lady. It's the Holy Spirit at work in what he can do, not in what I can do, in what he can do. That night we had a, um, a meeting with their leaders. And uh, so they had about 50 people in the room, about this size. And we had some words of knowledge for healing. So about 10 people came forward, and, uh, which is amazing in the Philippines because the Philippines, if you have a word of knowledge, uh, like if you say, even if it's like a common one, bad back, and they're like, no, nope, not me. <laughs> I don't want to be somebody who stands up before everybody else does. But if somebody goes ahead of them already, then they're like, okay, I'm in. I'm going in, right? So anyway, so we had 10 people come up the front and the first lady had a bulged disc in her back. And um, as we prayed for her, uh, she gets instant relief. She's able to touch her toes, move side to side without any pain or restriction. And you always wait to see and, and test it out because sometimes people in the moment can feel like something happened, but um, the next day they report it wasn't, it was just a pseudo thing for them. Uh, but for this lady, the next day she comes up, she said, I had the best night's sleep ever. Her husband couldn't stop talking. She said, I've got, he said, I've got a new wife. She gets up and shares a testimony in church and she's, I couldn't understand what she was saying, but the moment she started touching her toes and doing star jumps and everything like this, I knew what she was saying. <laughs> right, she got healed. And I had an interpreter tell me afterwards what she said. And God was just so good. Uh, you go into those places knowing, God, I want them to experience you, not me. Church, that's what I want you to experience here at church, whether it's me or somebody else preaching. I'm going to try and get Jake Harches up preaching a bit more this year. And Jake, bring the power of God with you. Okay? He's already been pressing into prophecy, seeking the Lord for, for others, ready to give you a word. He's running the Next Steps course for new people. And um, one of the things, that's, one of the highlights of the Next Steps course is when we get to prophetically speak over each person that's there. And we pray for the sick and they get healed. And it's just so encouraging, so exciting. That's the kind of church that I believe that God's calling us to be. So Paul comes in fear and trembling. In 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, verse 9, <clears throat> at least I think it's verse 9. Yes, it is. See, Paul, he, he'd been going through what he calls a weakness and um, or things that was, uh, a he says a messenger of Satan was sent to torment him. And, uh, and so he was, um, now we don't know exactly what that uh, exactly meant. Some people think it might have been that he had some kind of ailment or sickness. Uh, I tend to think that it's more to do with what he says later on, um, with hardships and persecutions and difficulties and insults and weaknesses. Paul had a lot of detractors, a lot of people who would speak uh, before him or after him and tell the people, even while I was preaching, don't listen to him, he's a false prophet or a false apostle. Kind of like with some of the preachers across the world today, you can look at YouTube clips and there'll be people who's pointing the finger, they're a false teacher, false prophet. When you know you're seeing the move of God through that person. So that's what I tend to believe is what's there. But anyway, regardless of what that is, in verse 9, he goes on to say, uh, but he said to me, my grace, because he's been asking the Lord to take this away from him. And three times the Lord said, no. He said to me uh, on the third time, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in, what is it? Weakness. Hopefully you're getting a theme here. Yeah? 
um, made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Okay. Listen, how does this work out practically? Paul talks about this. He said, I was praying for you on my knees with tears. There is a place before the Lord where you get on your knees. There's a place before the Lord where you worship Him. And you see, uh, at church, um, generally speaking, I mean, the guys who lead worship could tell you, when they're, when they're uh, worship leading, they're hoping that all of you will enter in. But unfortunately, in Australia, there is a lot of people who uh, are just too proud to enter in. They care too much about what the person on their left or their right think of them. See, the giving to the Lord is everything. God, I'm giving you everything. Go into the Philippines and listen to them worship. Oh, I'll tell you what. Every single person is there just giving their whole to the Lord. It's not hard to worship there. Uh, here in Australia, though, it feels like you're trying to wind the, the box up that people would actually jump out of the box and start you know, worshiping. But let me say, uh, when it comes to seeking the Lord, it's in the private, but it's also corporately. It's getting past your own fears of what others think of you. When I say, uh, would you pray for the person on your left or right? Some people want to run a mile. I get it. I understand. But I'm going to ask you to push past that. Because it's not about you. It's not about whether you have the right words even. It's not about whether you wordsmith everything. It's about your heart to humbly seek the Lord and just to take a hold of that moment. When it comes to how you express Jesus to your friends, that you would find yourself bold, but emboldened through prayer on your knees and with tears for your friends. I've seen over this last season where there's been tears, almost the next day something shifts. And it's just incredible. You might think, well, Steve, can I pray without tears? Yeah, you can pray without tears. You don't have to have tears. But if God leads you there, just go with it, right? Because there is a place as you're just praying with the Lord that you realize, God, I can't move this. It has to be you. There is a hunger and a thirst that comes underneath this. That what used to be just come to church on a Sunday, just do my thing during the week, try and be a good person, doesn't cut it in the kingdom. Because there is a weakness, there is a vulnerability of those who will just say, Lord, would you use me? There's nothing stopping you from becoming a Paul in your sphere from becoming Jesus in your sphere Amen? Amen there are people to reach there are people who you know that I don't there are people who are hungering in fact for somebody to just show them Jesus through love through words of revelation uh, where the Holy Spirit touches them through the power of God so how about you stand we're going to pray and hopefully this stirs you to something Okay, so here we go. Thank you, Father, 
Father God, we just thank you so much that you respond to the humble and contrite and those who tremble at your word. Father God, would you lead each of us to be in a place where we find that place, where we hunger after you. Father God, will we move from the training wheels of maybe even just prayer in the car on the way somewhere? Will we move from just the convenient to the pressing in, to those times where you lead us deep into the night, where the early mornings come and we find ourselves pressing into you, where we wake at night with Jesus on our lips, where we find ourselves encountering you. Maybe there's some here this morning who know that they've been in encounters before when somebody else has led it, but they long for that in their own walk with the Lord. And he's got, he's got an encounter for you. He's going to come at the, uh, at the pressing in on your knees, calling in on his name. So, Father God, would you lead us there as a church? Would you lead us to be a church of uh, the power of your kingdom, a church that humbly seeks you? When people meet us, would they say their love is so out of worldly, worldly. It's different to what I've seen before. Uh, their humility seems to be genuine and real. Father God, may they meet you in the midst, in our weakness. May they meet you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Who feels like they've got something to take away into their week? Awesome. Great. Awesome. Well, thanks for being here. And uh, we will be here next week again. And then we're hoping to be in the school. We'll give you more news once we've got that concrete. Um, and yeah, please stick around. We do have coffee and tea at the back. Uh, some of the best part of church is how you fellowship together afterwards and just encouraging one another. And uh, enjoy the rest of your day. God bless you. Amen. Amen.